0: Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's Psalm 19, verse 14. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are continuing our look uh, during this last part of the season of Advent. We're looking at the history um, of the Jewish people and largely what we're trying to do by that is to say, all right, what was the situation into which Jesus were born? How did the Romans come to be in charge? Who are these parties, the the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Herodian party, the the Greek-speaking people? Who are all these people? Who are the Samaritans? Why does Herod have a problem with John the Baptist? Why does Herod oversee the trial of Jesus? Who is his Herod? And then how did the the tension— between the Jews and those who ruled over them, how did that come into being, and why was it a particular problem um, that was likely to, to result in something bad that Jesus was was claiming at some level to be the king? And and so yesterday, what we did was we looked at, at Jewish history from the time of Alexander the Great, when he died in 323 BC, and I brought us forward up into um, the 167 B.C. When we get, we begin to meet the Maccabees. So the Maccabees are a, a family, and and that they're also there are two books of of history that are that are related to the Maccabean period, and that period lasts for a long while. Actually, it lasts from about 167 down to about 63 B.C. So about a little bit over 100 years the Maccabees cast a big shadow in rulership in civil ways and also in religious ways over the life of the people and that's called within Judaism that's called the Hasmonean dynasty and so that that period when the Maccabees and their heirs ruled over the people in one way or another is called the Hasmonean dynasty so what we get is is that yesterday we met a man um, named Mattathias, and Mattathias was a priest, and he was asked by, by the Syrians who controlled um, Jerusalem at the time to sac- make a sacrifice to a pagan god. He refused. Another Jew came forward, was willing to do it, and um, Mattathias killed both that Jew as well as the, um, the official who asked him or forced him at some level maybe to do that. Um, so then becomes the, they go on the run, but they're, they're basically forming a mercenary force at this point in time. And so Mattathias dies only a year later, and his son uh, Judas Maccabeus, who is called the Hebrew Hammer, He takes over leadership, and he fights guerrilla warfare against the Syrians, who were the overlords at that time. And finally, he actually was able to take Jerusalem itself and force Syria to withdraw its rulings against Jewish religion, because they had outlawed many of the practices, like the temple sacrifices, as well as things like um, circumcision. And so they, they they had really said no. All the Jewish distinctives were going to do away with. They didn't allow rabbinic teaching either. So the temple, though, after he after um, Judas Maccabeus beats the Syrians and takes Jerusalem, then then what what do they do? They purify the temple because it had been defiled by previous uh, Syrian rulers. So they purify the temple in what's known as Hanukkah. So that's this season of preparation for us is a time of celebration for them because they they purified and restored the temple at that time. And when I say restored, I don't mean that they rebuilt anything. No, they purified the temple and restored it to its proper purpose, which is the worship of the living God. And so then after Mattathias, after Mattathias dies, Judas takes over. And then after that, in 161, Judas's brother Jonathan takes over the leadership of that rebellion. But the problem was, by this point, there was peace in the land. It, it was not uh, the same kind of place that it had been before that. So that the people no longer had the, the appetite for fighting against the Syrians because they, they were settled. They had what they needed. And so Jonathan himself then, five years later, settled for peace with Syria and retired to his home. There's another person comes into the picture now, and his name is Alexander Balas. He shows up in Syria to conquer Syria and contend for the throne. Jonathan, the one who's in charge, but who had had retired more or less, was an ally. And so after Alexander Balas takes over Syria, he rewards Jonathan, and he makes him the high priest. And that's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> it's not the right of a temporal ruler to determine who the high priest is but, but the Syrians had made it the, the uh, order of the day over a period of time and so what happens here is Alexander makes Jonathan the high priest well that was not popular to say the least because he wasn't from the right line he wasn't from the line of Zadok and it's possible that one of the biggest problems that it created was that people left we know that the Essene community The the Essenes are are, are who we kind of think John may have come from, John the Baptist, that that he he was out there in the wilderness with these people. And well, who are these people? Well, they're the people from whom we receive ultimately about, what, not, not even 100 years ago, the Dead Sea Scrolls. So that community is preserving texts out in the wilderness, but they left at the time of jonathan when he was the high priest and they did so in part at least in response to him becoming the high priest and as a protest and so they moved there out into the wilderness and they're essentially an apocalyptic community they've separated themselves from official judaism because they believe that it's irretrievably broken now that this man is in charge and so they go out into the wilderness and they're waiting for the end times and, and they, So they collect these texts, and, and I'm not going to go into all the detail about the texts now, but, but they, they have their own favorite text that they take care of out there, and so that's who they are. That's the Essene community at the time of Jesus, and they've gone out into the wilderness 150 years prior to that. So then the last of the sons of Mattathias, Simon, assumes leadership in 143. According to First Maccabees thirteen forty one 41-42, he was able to achieve political freedom for the Jews, freedom from tribute to Syria as well, and control of the citadel of Jerusalem. And that's when they begin to be truly in charge. The Hasmonean dynasty really begins in about 143, but it's the same group of people who have been fighting and leading the people in, in informal kind of ways for the last 30 years at this point, and and now it's they finally get home rule or self-rule. And so there was peace in Judea, largely because, well, Syria was occupied with bigger fish to fry, and so they kind of left them alone over there. And in, in 140, Simon Maccabeus is made the high priest and prince, so he is both temporal ruler and spiritual ruler over the people. He takes over both those roles and joins those together. And he took the title Prince of the People because he wants to pretend at some level that that it's raising up. So what happens is that that he was not the most, um, let's say, ritually interested guy in the world, and nor was his successor who becomes a guy named John Hyrcanus, and he was a nephew of Judas Maccabeus. So Judas is the one that gave us Hanukkah, and now we get his nephew, John Hyrcanus. He was Because there was a slaughter of the Maccabean family, John was the only one left alive. So he, he looked to Syria to make a treaty with them in order to stay in power because they're the ones who killed his relatives. But by the treaty, he lost Jewish independence and lost the nation. It's a vassal state of Syria again, and, and one of the conditions was that the walls of Jerusalem had to be pulled down. He, he is the high priest and also sort of kind of the, a temporal ruler under the authority of Syria, but it's odd because he, he really didn't care about the, the ritual part of, um, of the, the, the religion of the people. And so the Pharisees didn't like him, and so what happened was is that they didn't like him, so he had to align himself because he those two titles, high priest as well as the temporal power, he, he, he needed allies because the Pharisees opposed him, so he allied himself with the Sadducees. And so we begin to see the tensions between those two groups right here in 143, 140-ish B.C. And a dozen years later, the the Seleucid Empire, the the Syrian Empire, was disintegrating, and he, John Hyrcanus, said, I'm going to take advantage of that, and how does he take advantage of it? He goes and he captures Samaria, where the Samaritans are, and a place called Idumea. And so what did he do when he captured the, the Samaritans? Well, the problem is they have a temple, and they believe that is the temple that God had ordained for his people to worship in, not the temple in Jerusalem. That's always the division. They thought that the, the the people in Jerusalem and all those guys had gone astray long, long ago. They only have the five books of Moses. They don't have any of the prophets and all that. They broke off a long time before any of that stuff happens. And so there's a serious tension between them. They claim themselves to be the true Israel. And so what does John do? Well, John, John Hyrcanus, John goes to to Samaria, and he destroys their temple. So you can see there, then you've got a problem because now you've got this, this enmity, this rivalry that had always been going on. Now has been ramped up to a different level. And so now they have reason to be incredibly, not only feeling superior to the Jews, who they believe have gone astray, but also now they have a reason for being bitter against the Jews. And it became a dangerous thing later in in the time of Jesus to go through Samaritan territory. That enmity was so great. So what else did he do? Well, John Hyrcanus, when he took over Idumea, he forced them, the people in that region, to convert to Judaism. And what's interesting is, is, is that later, remember, John the Baptist confronts um, Herod Antipas. He confronts him because of his marriage to his brother's wife. And, and why does he do that? Well, it's because it's a religious issue. Well, because Herod is a Jew, nominally, let's say. That's at best. He's, a, he's nominally a Jew. And so how did he become a Jew? Was he from a Jewish family? No, the answer is no. He was an Idumean. And he was for his family was forced to convert to Judaism in about one twenty eight BC. So so we're lining up parties. Do you see this all coming together now? That the the Romans would have thought Herod would be acceptable as a ruler at the time of Jesus. Well, why? Well, because he's kind of one of them not really, and that's the reason there's this tension between Herod and the Jews. He wants to do what he can to please them because he knows they can be a pain in the neck, and when they disturb the peace, it reflects badly on him, so he does many things for them that we're going to talk about a little bit more tomorrow. So at that same time, or after that, really, there's a new high priest, and his name is Alexander Janius, and he married Salome, who had been previously married, through leveret marriage, which means that her husband died, and then Alexander Janius took her as his wife, according to the law of Moses. However, that law doesn't apply. In fact, it specifically says that high priests can't do that. They have to take a woman who has never been married before. And so Janius does that. Why does he do that? Why would he want to upset the people? Well, because in marrying Salome, he also becomes the king because that's who her husband had been. So he takes over and and then he extends the kingdom, the Jewish kingdom. But the problem is he didn't just not care about ritual law. He he actually found it in contempt. And so he, he didn't care. Sometimes he just, he just chose to offend, so what does he do? In, in about 90 B.C., in contempt for the Pharisees, he took the libations of the temple and poured them out on his feet and was pelted with citrons, little citrus fruits, by the people. And in retaliation, he ordered an attack on the people, his own people, the Jews, and many were killed at that time. He, he was a, 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 not a great ruler of the people because he didn't care about the people, he cared about the kingdom more. So during this period of time, again, because it, the, the the temple ritual was not particularly interesting to the Sadducees, that they didn't believe in things like um, eternal life, they didn't believe in resurrection, they didn't believe in angels, they didn't believe in all that stuff. They believed in the law, and so they, they could be scrupulous about keeping the law. Why? not because they wanted to honor God, but because they they read the Bible and said, oh, hey, I understand it now. If you keep the law, then God has to bless you. It's his law. It's his words. So they did that. They kept the law in order that they could be enriched. And so on his deathbed, though, it was interesting because he had allowed them to determine policy, even though they were in the minority. But at the end, When he died, he instructed Salome, his wife, to align herself with the Pharisees. Why? Because they were backed by the people, and she was not likely to find opposition from the Sadducees because, well, they wanted to curry favor. So align yourself with the Pharisee. I mean, it sounds like a mafia thing, right? I mean, align yourself with that group of people because that way you have the people on your side as well. If you align yourself with this other group, the Sadducees, well, they don't have any popular backing, and and they don't have the power really. That the power they have is derived; it's what I gave them. These other guys really have the power, and so you can see this this alignment of the people with the Pharisees and not with the Sadducees. And then, what do we see in the Gospels in the life of Jesus? What do we see? We see. The Pharisees' worst nightmare come into pass because the people are leaving them now. They've had a control over the people for a, a quite a long time, and, and now they, they're losing that control because the people are going out after Jesus and not after them, because Jesus truly cares for them while they see the Pharisees now are the ones who just care about power. So we see these parties beginning to harden and align themselves against one another. We, so today we've met um, the, the forerunners of Herod in the Idumeans. We have also then seen th- this enmity being stoked between the Jews and the Samaritans by the destruction of the Samaritan temple. And we're also seeing this division between the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and then how the high priests have, are now becoming political creatures, They have to figure out which faction they're going to most align themselves with so that they can continue the hegemony of leadership and control over the people because there's a lot of money in the temple. We already discussed that yesterday as well. And so they get control of the budget. They get control of the wealth of Judaism. That's concentrated in the temple. But in order to continue to be able to reign, they've got to navigate politically these various factions that are coming up. And then we also met today the Essene community who felt like that the religion, the religious aspect of Judaism had been overtaken by, by men who weren't qualified under the Mosaic law, to become high priests. And so you've got this separatist movement that has now gone out into the wilderness, who will give us the Dead Sea Scrolls, from whom we, we believe John might have come. If he didn't come from them, he was at least in the same place that they were. And so they were looking for a Messiah. That, that messianic expectation was strongest among those guys we're yet to meet the group that that Judas comes from, the Zealots. We have not seen that group of people yet. They come up later in Jewish history. They're not looking for a Messiah. They're looking for a king. They are essentially the, the spiritual descendants, let's say, of the Maccabeans. They want to take over. They want control brought back over Jerusalem, over the land, into God's people. And so these factions are all lining up and we're beginning to see the formation of the people groups that we'll meet when we read the gospel.